Welcome to Nepal Now, I'm Marty Logan. Santosh Shah is a household name in Nepal after finishing runner-up on MasterChef. Sanjog Thakuri's father was cooking the daily meals for his family decades ago, so it was natural for the son to grow up helping in the kitchen. But as a teenager, when he wanted to talk about cooking while his friends teased local girls, Sanjog himself became a target for not being macho enough. Today, Sanjog talks to boys and men about how much better their lives, and society as a whole, would be if they didn't conform to the pressure to constantly be aggressive leaders, responsible for protecting the women and girls in their lives. Society is changing, he says, with women taking on larger roles, but it's going too slowly. For example, Sanjog says in today's episode, Look at how some men are wielding toxic masculinity online, trolling and threatening women. What do you think? Do you agree or disagree with Sanzog? Let us know. Nepal Now is on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also write to me at marty at martylogan.net. Like, follow or favorite the show on your usual podcast player if you don't want to miss the next episode. If you're really keen... Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. And now, here's my chat with Sanjog Takuri. Sanjog Takuri, welcome to Nepal Now Podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Mati. Thank you very much for inviting me. So I know about your group. It's called Hamida Zubai, or Nepali Brothers in English. And uh, I'd like you to, to describe the kind of work that you do. But before getting there, tell me a little bit about your background and the journey that brought you to this organization. In 1995, when in Nepali Charles movement is uh, actually initiating the various uh, movement in terms of engaging children through the child clubs. And I happen to be a part of that. And being a member of child club, I was fortunate enough to know about my rights, responsibilities, and various uh, social issues. And one of them was uh, gender injustice or, or the gendered socialization. So through the child club, I, I came to know about this kind of uh, gender disparity uh, that's existing in, in our very society. So while growing up, uh, not only limited to the child club, but the knowledge that I gained through the child club, I also experienced in my own home and, 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 and helped me to reflect my, myself. So uh, after graduating from the child club and, you know, that uh, being part of the youth movement there, I even got a bigger exposure and opportunity to learn more about this gender justice. But it was back to 2013 when I initiated uh, one youth aid organization, Yuvale. Then I started to do working on uh, the youth engagement, especially the young men's engagement on gender justice. But uh, after I completed my tenure as a chairperson or the president there, then uh, while reflecting my work, I just happened to, to, you know, that realizing that while advocating the men engagement uh, for the gender justice, what uh, kind of narration we're establishing is men need to speak up for women, you know, that, and this kind of narration will establish the power uh, on, on men. It, it is not establishing the, the equality among men and uh, w- women or the men versus the 
other gender identity. So then I thought that now we need to change the perspective on it. So that uh, I started this organization, which especially working on men and masculinity. And we also talked about how patriarchy and toxic masculinity harming men. So my uh, idea on gender and gender justice or gender in, in, injustice was uh, based on child club. And throughout this uh, being a part of this childless movement, I happened to analyze and reflect and learn and earn learn through the time being. And, and, and now we, we have this organization. Okay, thank you. That was very succinct. So if I understand correctly, what you're saying is that through your earlier experience, you came to the realization that by uh, promoting gender justice, in fact, it was just giving men a larger platform or another opportunity to speak up uh, and not, in fact, um, giving women a larger platform. Is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. Because you know that uh, uh, while... We, we are promoting the engagement of men for the gender justice. We're kind of exaggerating the men's engagement. One of my friends was, uh, one of my female friends was telling me that it's so easy for men to be nice. If, if a one man just don't tease the girls, do not tease the girls, they become a nice guy. And that's not the narration of nice guy, that there's just so much thing that a man needs to do. So how easy that this narration that we have established so that that exaggeration of engagement of men needs to be a revisit and then needs to be critic and then i think that, that that's a very important thing because that will help us to be accountable towards the feminist movement okay great i i understand that so let's talk about i know this this is something that comes up in your in your literature and description of your activities uh patriarchy and how patriarchy in fact, uh, can harm men. Can you explain how that works? Rousseau, the, the, the philosopher, has said that all the human bonds with the primeval slime, you know, that they all are equal and they all are wonderful. But uh, while we grow up, one group of clan become a victim of gender injustice, whereas another group of clan becomes a power, you know, that authoritarian. So that we really need to think that it's not the inherent quality of men, but how the socialization is taking part and then how men do not want to uh, distract themselves from the privileges they get. But while getting the privileges, they also get a lot of pressure on themselves as well. For example, they have to be a fighter. They have to lead. They have to be opinionated. Uh, they, they, they have to be a masculine, you know, that they have to be aggressive. So these kind of traits, which is also known as a traits or characteristics of toxic masculinity, it's, it's harming women. It's harming all the same, uh, sexual and gender minorities. It is harming society. But at the same time, it is also harming men as well. So this kind of thing that we, we really need to discuss. For example, I remember that when I was uh, so young and then when my uh, sister used, uh, and she's older than me, and then when she used to go to the market, my dad used to send me with her. And the only the reason was to protect her, you know, that she was 13, I was around seven years old. And when the group of boys used to tease her, I was the one who used to be scared and she's the one who used to fight with them. So that I always uh, ask myself question that why I'm going as a protector because she's the one who is pr protecting me. This kind of protector 
uh, this uh, pressure that the men gets, it's, it's overwhelming for them. But we do not discuss about that because when you become protector, you also get certain privileges from the society. And in order to enjoy that privilege, you accept that uh, pressure. So my idea is to discuss about that and needs to redefine the love and power and leadership in a different manner. So is it uh, largely that you need to convince the people, the, the men you're talking to, or the youth you're talking to, the boys you're talking to, that in a way it's a balance and they have to give, they give something up by giving up, let's say, that, that masculine role. But what they're getting in return is, is better than what they're giving up. And I would think that you know, for a lot of men and boys, they're not willing to give that up, right? They would say, okay, well, you know, it would be great if I could have a better relationship with my women friends, we share responsibilities, etc. But to do that, I don't want to have to give up my role in society where I get to be first, you know, I get to speak first, or I get to eat first or walk first, or whatever it happens to be. Is that is that difficult to convince them to kind of give something up? Yes, of course. Yes, yes, yes. That's it's not that much easy. I think that is why there's a very uh, big, big criticism on the men engagement movement or the pro-feminist movement from the feminist movement as well. You know, that I always feel that there's a not a, uh, less aware men, but there are lots of hypocritic men, you know, that they speak for for the rights of uh, e- for the equality, but when they need to practice, they're not practicing it. And another is that uh, they accept that that uh, there's a certain uh, pressure that the patriarchy has given them. But however, they do not want to lose their privileges, and it's always conflicting. You know that at one point you're saying that yes, we have pressure, but another time you're saying but we don't want to lose our privileges. So I think. Uh, we, we really need to work a lot. In Nepal, we haven't worked that much. We haven't worked with the men with having a, this kind of uh, conversation or conceptual clarity on masculinity and toxic masculinity. And sometimes I, I also realize that when we talk, when we discuss with the men about the harm of patriarchy, instead of accepting that, realizing that and being accountable, rather they use it as an excuse, you know, that see, we're also harmed by the patriarchy so why women are shouting for that we're equal you know that this kind of thing is also happens so we really need to be very very cautious while working with men and boys okay great i saw on your facebook page i think that you recently did a training in province two and it was called gender transformative training um, and I'm guessing this is kind of a way to do what we just talked about, to have these discussions and to try to get men and boys to question uh, the way they act and the, the, uh, the opinions they have about, about gender. Can you tell me a little bit about the concrete activities that you do in that type of training? That particular training we, we did in, in two provinces, province two and, and the Lumini province, which is uh, province five. So, uh, we often do uh, such uh, workshops for young people, including young men and, and young women as well, but our particular focus on uh, discussing on masculinity. So our uh, subject matters during the training is, is around 
feminism, pro-feminism, men engage, and what is men engage, and what is not the engagement of men or the pro-feminist movement or men as an uh, feminist, why equality matters, how toxic masculinity is harming men, and how the socialization is work, and what are the various stakeholders that plays vital role while, you know, that uh, giving a shape to the men and women in terms of their social construct. So this kind of thing we do through various participatory tools and trainings so that uh, they can actually internalize these things. We try to uh, revisit their own personal stories and their personal reflection experiences. And then we kind of create uh, various participatory tools where everyone can share their ideas, views, perspectives, and then we collectively come to that uh, conclusion. So my idea is that doing this kind of gender transformation training is to change the condition and the position of the group, especially the women and sexual and gender minorities. We have been doing so much work through the development aid in terms of changing the condition, but not the position of women in society or family. I'll just give you an example. If you give a sanitary pad to the girl, so the girl can go to the school, that is only change the condition of that girl. Earlier, she used to not have the sanitary napkin. Now she has the sanitary napkin. She will feel relaxed and then okay to go to the school. However, that is not going to change the menstrual uh, taboo that that established in our society. So that when we change the taboo, that will change her position in a society. So that the idea of this training is to uh, help or contribute in our way in changing the condition and position of women and those who are marginalized. Okay, so if I if I understand that correctly, then a condition is something that you can change working just in this example with girls or with women. But in order to change the, the position of women or marginalized groups in society, you need everyone to, to be engaged in that effort. Yes, and, and, and ensure that the, the power is shared, you know, that you shouldn't have the power over, you know, that power with and then power to. So this kind of strategy needs to be there. Okay. One of the things I was thinking about as I was preparing for this is I spend a fair bit of time online and particularly on Instagram. I'm coming across these accounts they seem to be quite focused on younger women, and they're discussing what I'm sure a couple of years ago were quite taboo topics about sexual relations, about family relationships, about, uh, you know, the, the role of the new wife and the new daughter-in-law in the family. And they're very personal and very, you know, they can be very explicit. People are very honest. And I'm quite surprised sometimes when I see these. But when I think about it, I never see men with these kinds of accounts where they're sharing these kinds of really personal, intimate details. And that leads me to think, when you're doing the kind of work you're doing, do you ever get men who, or boys, adolescents who say, look, we're different than girls and you can't expect us to be, you know, as empathetic or as sensitive, and you're trying to make us into something we're not. Uh, do you get that feedback from men and boys? Of course, of course, a lot of time, uh, especially the cisgender heterosexual men, and when they are what comes from the so-called upper caste, you know, that they, they don't want to uh, deconstruct the uh, gendered social 
construction that we have, which is actually made them uh, bestowed with lots of privileges on them. So uh, that's why in uh, back to 2016, we created a secret Facebook group of young people from 15 to 29 uh, called the Brothers. So where only our young boys can be a member and where we discuss about lots of the thing about gender and then how toxic masculinity is shaping them and then this kind of thing and our uh, the the group of moderators we have is that some from the psychosocial background some are from law some are of rights some scholars so when someone anonymously put their questions or their thoughts and then we we, we try to start uh, activating the discussion and that is uh, i would call a very safe space for young boys to actually express how they feel. And then we try to deconstruct de if, if uh, uh, their ideas are very gendered. It's also an opportunity for us to understand that various issues that often the young boys do not get a platform to express their, their, their pain when they're scared of. So uh, we, we have also created uh, this uh, platform in a very small group. And I, already said with you as well that changing men it's, it's not easy because it gives them lots of power and privileges so it's it's, it's not that easy that we think uh in terms of uh changing their mindset and socialization and everyday behavior i also have this experience of young um, one local uh leader you know that local elected personnel actually stood up and 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 he he, he just went out from the our workshop he just said that this is this nothing you got the dollars you know this term is very popular here the for the development aid we call it you got their dollar lots of money and you're talking about the bullshit it's not going to work so that this local elected person just went from the workshop without completing the training so we we, we happen to deal with uh, these people a lot yeah, that must be that must be frustrating. You're doing uh, what you can with a small number, I think, a small number of people holding a limited number of trainings. But as you said, to change people's mindsets, to you know, in a way, change a culture, obviously, will take a lot of work, concerted work by a huge number of people, and and a lot of forces working in concert with one another. Are you seeing that other people or other institutions are having these kinds of discussions? So the obvious uh, candidate for doing that would be the education system, right? Where you would hope that somewhere when children are still youngish, there would be an opportunity to discuss gender. And, you know, media also, media is something that has a huge influence on a large number of people. Are you seeing these kinds of discussions going on beyond the sorts of wor- workshops that you're able to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are very few organizations that are very focused on men and masculinity, but most of the work is being done by the c- civil society or NGOs, not from government and very less from the development aid. And in terms of government, I think uh, due to the feminist movement that changing is happening and then we could see a lot of course book has been revised their pictures their stories are being 
uh, revised and even the media sensitization is taking place you know that uh, just a few month back the some organization did of uh, feminist critic of uh, nepal popular nepali movie so that now this kind of discourse is coming up in nepali movie industry and then also in in, in literature and also in a education system but the problem is that we have the test book which is very gender friendly or gender fluid but what about the teacher who is teaching about this who is going to teach this kind of thing whether the person is is clear about this kind of uh, concept or not and how they are going to treat them so uh, we really need to focus on education and media which is very powerful but we also need to see some some ideas and how we can actually reach to the household otherwise what will the problem is that if child learns something at a school but their home is a different then then they often get confused and then they happen and pressurized to practice what the socialization is and that socialization are largely dominated by their home so if i go back to the decade back yes we have a lot of pro- progress we have but yet they're far far behind we we are still far far behind we need to do a lot and we really need to uh, accelerate ourselves if we are really committed in creating a gender just society okay what about male role models you know uh, an actor a cricket player a football player someone an, a member of parliament there there must be some within those fairly high profile professions who could be role models no uh yes it is but while i've been working with men and boys from uh, a couple of years what i realized is that these young men actually do not have the male role models you know that who actually practices the the gender equal behavior in their everyday life they have the they have the male role models who play a wonderful game they have the role models who do a wonderful acting but they are not practicing uh, for the gender just society so yes there been uh, some of experiences of uh, trying to using them or engaging them and mobilizing them for the gender justice and and uh, having their say on why the men engagement is important but that's not enough we need a role models who actually practice every day and unfortunately we really don't have such a role model and i think we lack such role models uh, and we we really need to build such role models soon okay uh, to kind of switch topics a little bit and uh, this is an area also where i'm quite sure we could use positive role models talking about the online world and how in recent months in particular there have been a lot of high profile cases of bullying and trolling and even worse kinds of threatening behavior by by men and i think it's pretty clear that most of it if not all of it is done by men and usually against women or the high profile cases i've heard about are against women i mean what is it about the online world is it that it's happening more in the online world because people can be anonymous or is it just the same thing that's happening in the physical world transferred to the the uh, online world what what is your perception about why this seems to be happening so much as kind of cyber bullying i think 
Online is another platform like home or society and school where the patriarchy tries to dominate the women, you know, that. And so the online is another platform. So I'm not surprised of uh, seeing um, bullying or harassment against women because the patriarchy is everywhere. So in online, but you know, that uh, the kind of leverage that the men gets in online is that they can hide their information, their profile, their identity, so that they can do bullying and, and, and harassment so that uh, nobody knows who this guy is, but he can, or the, his team can do a, a lot of harassment and bullying that we, we happen to experience in, 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 in right after the Women's Mars and even um, before that as well, even they had they got a they did trade and and the street harassment. So yes, my thought is that online is another space. So if you're living in a patriarchal, whatever space you create, there will be a patriarchy. And second, but in online, it will be even more and more harsh because one can easily hide their identity. Do you think there's also a room for education here? I mean, it's it's easy to say that. You know, all of the men who do this are just doing mean or even evil things and they know what they're doing. But is there also maybe a lack of realization of the impact of what they're doing? Yes, yes, of course, of course it is there. And I think that if we could change them, I think once a person realized this, he will not do this kind of thing, not only online, not even in their home and the schools or or anywhere so that yes we're spending a lot of time online these days it will be a very important that we deal with that and the recently uh, realizing this uh, committee on the rights of the child had just gave their general comment on the uh, internet and and, and children where the uh, committee also suggested that there's a harassment on young girls as well and we really need to think about that and then and we also need to work with the young boys as well. So yes, it's very important because we're investing a lot of time there. Okay, and, and having said that and having suggested it myself, I want to also to ask you in these extreme cases where you know men are very clearly threatening, um, making death threats or other types of threats of physical harm, do you think enough is being done to enforce not only the rules, but to also prosecute criminally when when necessary? No, I think there's the, our weakness. I don't think the necessary action or structure and mechanism is in place. Yes, we do have a one certain section which look after the cyber crime and which is located in Kathmandu, but the one particular district cannot uh, monitor and respond all over the country. So. I don't think that a government has realized the depth and the intensity of the access to internet and, and that access uh, bringing the violence against women and especially the marginalized community. So I personally don't think that government had actually realized it. And second is often in terms of uh, addressing such issue, government is often coming with a protectionist approach, you know, that instead of making more discuss on socialization on comprehensive sexuality education gender justice government actually trying to protect you know especially protecting women at the at the same time 
the the people are also not aware of lots of legal uh, mechanisms uh, or not only the legal aspect the kind of the app or the kind of internet that they are using it's also give this this abuser another room to abuse them so it's it's goes to both hand one is the legal aspect uh, and and the establishing of mechanism and structure and second thing is awareness that we we have not been able to create right okay so a lot of work still to be done obviously T tell me a little bit about your own life and how you got to this place where you're advocating for gender justice you've been doing it for a long time it's obviously a big part of your life did you come from a family where gender was discussed i mean how did you reach the point where you're at what was your own experience and how is it different from say your your friend across the street i think uh, uh you know that being a gender sensitive person it's it's, it's not a one incident and then you just change and then there's a paradigm shift and then and, and, and then you you become something else i think it's a evolving process so still when i was young i was enjoying my uh, male uh privileges but you know that good thing is that it's very important that how parents plays their role you know that my dad mom we never discuss about the gender you know the feminism men gays men this kind of thing but my dad always cooked so me and my brother we, we never had this idea of cooking is women's job because my dad was cooking and he was very nice cooking so we happen to be a part of this kitchen work as well but my dad never did you know that washing clothes and everything so in earlier age we also didn't do that parenting i think parenting is very very important uh, important in terms of changing the mindset so that yes by the time i was growing able i realized that i have to be more accountable and i started to uh, changing my thoughts when when my friends you know that used to tease me not being able to or not teasing girls you know that i in my life i never teased the girls i even wrote the blog on that as well these are girls and my uh, male friends used to tease me because i am not a man in you know that when men uh, young boys used to uh, come together they used to talk about the girls and and you know that their sexuality and everything and and my discussion point used to be a uh, cooking and then washing and, and and all these things so they used to teach me when i was class 9 or 10 So yes, I think it's it's a evolving process. I, I I was fortunate enough because I was a part of this kind of movement where there's a lots of training and workshop that helped me to shape my mind. And then and I, I also happen to realize and then and, and see my own everyday work, uh, my home and household. So it it was not like that. I, I have uh, training and then I I changed completely. It was not like that, but it was evolving process and it is more like. listening to the criticism listening and having a theoretical and conceptual clarity and i think that that's how i am uh, that that's how i became the person i am because just uh, five years back i used to, i used to exaggerate men engagement and now i don't I, if anyone exaggerate i question them so it's it's, it's a pro process of of looking at at, at your life uh, and having a lots of reading and listening to the marginalized voices i think this how i am uh, this how i became not i am but i be became right and i think this idea about lifelong learn learning and questioning you know i know myself or i developed as a journalist 
with this phrase very much in mind, being a voice for the voiceless. And it's a, it's a phrase you hear a lot, right? I mean, speaking up for people who don't. But recently, I've been seeing people saying, you don't need to be a voice for any group, just pass the mic to them so they can speak. And, and that's very true. 20 years ago, when I was becoming a journalist or longer, um, I, I, never, I never thought of that. And I thought, okay, well, I'm, I'm the one who has to get out there and say these things because they can't. And it's not easy also to change your mind so that you hand something over, you give in a way you're giving something up. But in the end, the voice coming from the actual person should be more genuine, more authentic, and hopefully more effective. Yeah, yes. Uh, it just re- reminded me the one concept, ally versus co-struggler, you know, that uh, men as an ally are those who who support the uh, feminist movement, you know, that they said, yes, the, whatever feminist movement are doing, do good, you know, that they just detach themselves from the feminist movement and they're from the far away that they, they support them. But the co-struggler is one who put their own privileges at the risk and they become more accountable and go to the street with feminists. I think that the realization you just shared, it's kind of same with me as well. I used to be a ally, but now I'm trying to be a co-struggler. So yes, I think it's a journey of, you know, that we all evolve by that, whether we're more accountable and committed towards this or not is more important. Right, okay. So you you said earlier that things have developed, things have uh, progressed over the years that you've been doing this work. Are you optimistic that if we were to talk, let's say in 10, 10 years from now, that there would be more men who are co-strugglers, who are giving up some of their privilege so that women can step forward? Yes, I am. Uh... I do believe in that, but yes, for that, uh, we really need to work hard. For example, from our organization, we cannot just organize the event and then expect that they will change the after conferences. We really need to invest our time, our resources on changing this uh, gender dynamics. And if we are doing this, yes, why, why not? We'll change that. And it needs to be changed. You know, It has to be changed. And I'm very... Looking forward for that change. Just one other question. If someone said to you, there's one thing you can do to advance this this, uh, project to make Nepal a more gender equal society, there's one change you could make. What would that thing be? I think uh, I'll change this uh, gendered uh, perception that is kind of in blood in, 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 in men's mind, you know, that are the society as well. I'd love to change this gendered socialization and from home to schools and everywhere is that, so that everyone, irrespective of their sexual orientation or sex or gender identity, everyone with their own human rights, they can live their life. We all can live our life freely, happily. Okay, well, that's a great wish. Um, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to happen that way. We know that. You're not going to get that one free wish, but it's a, it's a great aim and a great goal. So best of luck in reaching that, uh, Sanzog. Thank you very much for coming on and discussing this with me. I hope that we maybe 
planted some seeds uh, in people's minds, or at least you know, will help to start some conversations about these important issues. Thank you very much for inviting and giving this opportunity to share. And there could be a plenty of uh, subject matters, but you, you choose to, to discuss on men and masculinity. So it's also a uh, you know way of kind of contributing in changing the perception of young men's mind. So uh, thank you very much, Mati. Thank you very much.